A witness needs two things. They need credibility and a, and a story to tell, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the relationships where I get the credibility and, and then I have to open my mouth as a credible witness and then I tell the story of Christ and this person makes a decision. Well then, like you said, it's just a natural pathway into a discipleship relationship. Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. The pastor of a local church is usually a very, very busy man. Uh, they're responsible for considering and reflecting upon the state of their flock, praying for them, uh, preparing sermons week to week to preach and to teach to them. Uh, they're responsible for casting a vision for their church and, and setting an agenda for ministry uh, year over year. They counsel hurting people and they're training and discipling growing leaders uh, to take over the ministries of their church. And so there's a lot going on in the life of a pastor. Uh, all these are very, very important things, but there's often an aspect of ministry that we don't actually talk about very much, and that is the pastor's responsibility to minister to their community. And so today we're gonna ask the question, what does it look like for the church to be a friend to the city or the town in which they live? What does it mean for the pastor to shepherd the relationships that they have with those outside of their church? And so today for that conversation, we have Pastor Joe McCaig of Decatur Baptist Church in Decatur, Alabama. He's the instructor of the Introduction to Homiletics course here at the Living Faith Bible Institute. And we are going to chat about what it means to be salt and light within the communities that our churches live. And so with that, uh, Joe, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here again. Thanks, Brandon. It's a privilege to be here. And uh, yeah, you're right. There's a lot going on. Uh, yeah. You, but you, you, know, you know all about that, right? You're, you're in the thick <laughs> of it. And uh, I watch all that you do, man, with... Uh, not only Midtown, but the, the Fellowship and LFBI. Uh, you are a high-capacity dude. You're getting a lot done. Well, man, you. praise God. Praise God. I appreciate you too. And, and I think, you know, one of the cool things about the Fellowship is that we have all these different pastors with different gifts and in rural communities and urban communities yeah. and churches that have different cultures and we're watching each other and we get to inspire each other. And uh, you're one of those guys that a lot of people are looking to and, and watching the way you do ministry. You've got a, a very unique situation with the size of your church and, and, um, and where you guys are at and the history of your church. Uh, there's a lot to manage, a lot to consider. And so maybe just remind us a little bit about um, Decatur Baptist Church and remind our listeners, uh, about your church, where it's at, and what it's like, and just give us some insight into to the culture of um, the people, the flock that you minister to. Yeah, so uh, Decatur Baptist is 125 years old this year. Wow. Uh, founded in 1898 and uh, has, uh, has a, a rich heritage in this community. Uh, Decatur, Alabama is in north central Alabama, uh, right along the Tennessee River, just outside of Huntsville, uh, so we're uh, part of that uh, that tech environment in, in, in Huntsville with NASA. In fact, that's what brought me here 
mm-hmm. almost 40 years ago uh, to work in the tech industry. But uh, the church uh, has has had the unique privilege of having had the same pastor for 34 years prior to my coming here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we celebrated last year our worship leader, Rex Terry, has been leading worship here for 40 years. Wow. Uh, and uh, But I, I served on staff here for... Uh, for about 15 years as a student pastor, and then and then uh, went to Atlanta or Cartersville, and uh, served as the lead pastor for for about 14 years there. And then when our pastor retired, I was able to come back. So rich heritage. It's a, a great fellowship of believers. Was trained in discipleship back in those early days in the, the late 80s uh, through the Kansas City Baptist Temple and the team, and mm. been a discipleship church, a very missions-minded church. Uh, down through the years, uh, I've, I've seen a number of families go out, but, but really have supported missions around the world. It's a great fellowship of believers uh, here in this place. I'm, I'm honored and blown away that I get to I get to serve here. Yeah, I, it's I walked great. in this place in, in 1980, 86, I think. We're kind of on the other side of town, reloaded the campus and all that since then, but even walking in the building back then for me, I grew up in a very rural community in Georgia, a very small church. Uh, I, 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 I'd have anxiety attacks just walking in the building uh, with so many people. And, and now somehow mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the lead pastor at this church. It's kind of strange. It's an amazing story. And in fact, uh, if our listeners wanted to go back and, and to find that episode, uh, you kind of tell that story, your testimony and, and how you ended up where you're at now. And, uh, Decatur is a really unique church and you guys have had, I mean, with 125 years of, of ministry, certainly uh, there has been many different uh, variations or, or, or varietals of the church over the years. I'm sure generation after generation, there are new problems, new dilemmas, new opportunities. And, and uh, you've recently kind of stumbled on new unexpected opportunity within your community. Um, and, and this is something that you've shared with me and, and the rest of the fellowship has been able to observe. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's been going on in your cho- uh, church and, and how uh, it's created uh, opportunity for you to have a voice uh, within your town? Yeah, well, you know, things, things happen. Uh, we all face difficulties and tragedies and uh, as we deal in the lives of people, most recently, uh, a young man in our church, um, he's about 30, uh, his name's Andrew Gillum. He was an aerospace engineer, uh, recently married. It's faithful member of the church's family. In fact, his mom, dad, and grandmother all serve on our staff. Uh, uh, was murdered, uh, sleeping in his bed in his apartment, uh, apparently just a random act of violence. Uh, someone shot into his apartment uh, a number of times, shot into multiple apartments. So he, the police don't know his mistaken identity or if it was just a random act of violence. But yeah, um, he was killed. And of course, when a situation like that happens, then um, there's there's news coverage, there's media that comes out, and and, and of course they want to cover. Uh, all the aspects of it, and, and one of those aspects is, is certainly church, and so uh, it kind of thrusts you into the limelight and uh, into that exposure, I guess, 
to media mm-hmm. and, and how you respond to those kinds of things. And, and it certainly is an opportunity to uh, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also to live your faith, to model that, that, that people see how to handle things. And, you know, we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. And, and certainly Andrew's family, his, his young wife, his, his mom and dad, his grandmother's in-laws, they all are in our church. Uh, and they you know, have been wonderful examples of the grace and, and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and how to face uh, tragedy and, and do it um, in the strength and, in, and with the grace of the Lord. Uh, and, and they've used it, you know, so, so they don't know who did this. And, and there's been um, a, a reward that's been offered in. Uh, and they've done flyers and all those things, but but in the midst of all of that, I've always tried to take the opportunity as they pass out flyers to try to find the, the person who committed this crime, uh, also to, to share the gospel and to share the hope mm. that Andrew had in Christ and, uh, and and the hope that they have in seeing Andrew again. Uh, mm. So it, you know, it that uh, there's other occasions. There's things that going that are going on right now, and, and, and a lot of times there are not occasions that are thing you know things like that where people are sympathetic to you and, and and appreciate the pain that you're in. There's other things that aren't as popular with crises that come in people's life, and and so it just puts you out in the community. Uh, mm-hmm. And and for me, those rare occasions are are a reminder. Uh, of who we've been called to be. We, we have been called to be salt and light in our community uh, and to, to minister uh, beyond, outside the walls of our church. And, and certainly taking the gospel and, and sharing Christ in our everyday lives, but, but also just leading and shepherding and, and putting Christ on display in, yeah. in our lives and every day. Yeah. I, uh, I saw the YouTube video that, um, the, uh, news broadcasters, you know, came and they interviewed you and you were on the local news and, and, uh, it, it did give you opportunity to talk about Andrew, um, and to, to share about his family, but, um, it also gave you a, a, an opportunity to, uh, cast some seed, uh, of the gospel. And, uh, you know, it's, you never really know, you never really know how things like that are going to impact, the people that watch it or, um, you know, how is this going to affect the listeners, the people who are observing what's happening? And, and so you've had a community of people uh, watching this family, uh, but also, you know, watching the church and, and hearing uh, what you're communicating and, uh, you know, sometimes these moments are fleeting. They come and go and, and you don't know how long your, your influence is going to stand. But it's been a few months now. Uh, can you tell us, you know, some of the ways that you found yourself as the pastor? You know, you've used this phrase with me or, and this is kind of how we've talked about this interview, uh, shepherding the community. How, how have you found yourself shepherding within the community that you serve in? And, and tell me what that looks like. Times like these, these, and they are rare, uh, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this kind of tragedy, but it, it is a reminder. So I, I've not always been in the ministry. Um, and I found when I, so I started out working in, uh, for a contractor in the space industry in Huntsville as a field engineer and went to work every day and interacted with, with lost people every day. And then God brought me into the ministry and I'm grateful for that. But uh, I found that, man, my interaction with lost people 
significantly reduced uh, in the church mm-hmm. office. Uh, so uh, I'm reminded that I have to go seek out those opportunities to build relationships and to, to speak Christ in the lives of people. And so um, certainly there's those occasions that, that give us that opportunity, but I think they're far more impactful when, when we've been in the community and, and it's a regular part of our lives. Uh, I think it's so easy to get um, isolated from, the, from your community and only do what we do within the four walls of our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, frankly, complain about everything that's happening out there, uh, but yet not going out into that and being salt and light in that. So and there's things that I, I've done on an ongoing basis all the way back to, to when I first started just serving with our local police department as, as a chaplain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, giving the opportunity to speak in the lives of, of certainly our law enforcement community, but but also into the lives of people who face tragedies like what Andrew's family was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first people on that scene are, are law enforcement officers. Uh, fortunately, our local law enforcement values the input of, of a spiritual aspect of that, and so they'll invite me to come onto a scene like that and, and mm-hmm. speak into the lives of these people who are experiencing that kind of tragedy. Uh, and so, uh, it certainly helps that, that you've been through it and it, uh, and it helps that you have that experience, just, just being involved, being out in our community and, and ministering to, uh, to people. I personally think it's valuable to serve, you know, on, on local boards. I've been a part of different boards in our community and, um, not everybody sees the value in that. Uh, and there's plenty to do, like we said at the beginning. There's plenty to do in the church. There's plenty of needs here. But uh, if we're going to be salt and light in our community, um, then it, it necessitates us being out in the community. And not only through our members, that, that's a wonderful thing, too. And we should be doing that, right? Reach them with the gospel, mm-hmm. disciple them, and train them, and send them back out into the community to be that salt and light. Uh, but for me as a pastor, I, I think it's important, too, that I be out in the community. Yeah. Uh, speaking into things that are happening. You know, the, the, the Great great Commission is, is given in Acts 1-8, in a Jerusalem, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, both and, right, either mm-hmm. or. And I think a lot of times for us as a church, we've been guilty of uh, stepping across our local community to take the message of the gospel to the world. Yeah, explain that a little bit, because I think this gets into the heritage and the history of your church. You have been, for a long time, at least uh, within our fellowship, uh, known for being a church that really supports foreign mission, missions works, international works, uh, rallying around people that are going all over the world. And so you're kind of now describing... Uh, getting back to, to more of kind of a local missions focus. Ex- explain that a little bit so that our listeners have a, a context for what you're talking about. Yeah, so the, the pastor that, my pastor, who I grew up with here, uh, Doug Ripley, uh, did a, just a fabulous job uh, in so many areas of teaching us in evangelism and discipleship and, and missions. Those have always been great values. Um, and uh, And we've really been very involved over the last 35 years taking the message of the gospel of the world when you know, we celebrated uh, Doug's retirement a couple of years ago and 
just highlighted some of those things that, that God had done through us and the families that have been in and literally millions and millions, somewhere in excess of $20 million over the last 30 years, given to missions and mm. taking the gospel around the world. I think it's like 14 families that have gone out from, from here uh, to, to go to the foreign field. And, and man, that's incredible and awesome. And, and we, we must continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, but at the same time, uh, just looking at the fact that, that there's a local ministry that needs to be done as well. And there's a community that's here and, uh, and, and as, as much as we are in the buckle of the Bible belt, there's a lot of lost people in Decatur, Alabama who need to hear the gospel and, and also just have, um, see the church caring for them and, and ministering to them and, and being involved with them. And so uh, we've tried to bring some balance, not reduce what we're doing abroad, but uh, but enhance what we're doing locally. And so we, we you know, we've always done uh, what we call a global impact celebration in the fall where we celebrate what God's doing internationally through our church. Uh, and we encourage people to, to go on trips, short-term trips or, or long-term uh, trips, but uh, to, to surrender to go and, and move there, we encourage people to give to that. Uh, and, and, and really, that is primarily what it, what it ends up being is, is a financial contribution. Um, but we've recently started what we call a community impact celebration uh, in the spring. We do that one in the fall and do one in the spring that just encourages people to get involved with their human resources. So to interact, we invite in some nonprofits that serve our community. Uh, and uh, encourage our membership to build relationships with them, uh, to to get out and volunteer, and, and all of that uh, for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to go meet felt nature and, and and love and care for people and be involved in the community and, and gain influence in the community, but but ultimately to share the gospel. We we understand and appreciate that that we can feed people and be of no real benefit to them if we right, don't right. share the gospel. But but also we need to, to have that influence in that, uh, I, I say it like this, just to earn the right uh, mm-hmm. to, to speak the gospel into the lives of people. And, and we used to do things in our community, you know, as back in the day where you, we went out and knocked on doors, you know, it was kind of, we were known in Decatur, Alabama, you know, don't be <laughs> home on Monday night, those crazy Baptists are coming. Uh, <laughs> close your blinds, lock the doors, you know, turn off the lights. Uh, and, and, you know, now it's just, and people don't even answer their door anymore. They've got ring doorbells. They see you. They don't, they're not letting you. Right. So we look for, for creative ways. And, and one of the things we've been able to do is that community impact celebration. And so just invite those nonprofits in and, and, and connect with them and volunteer with them and then have monthly partnerships where we can go out and, and see what the needs are in our community. Uh, and, and through meeting those felt needs, uh, find opportunities to, to meet people's real needs of the gospel and speak Christ, build relationships, uh, those kinds of things. Maybe give us some examples of, because of, I know this has kind of been uh, part of your vision for the last few years now, and you've, you've um, had some time to implement what you're talking about. This isn't, you know, it's not brand new anymore. It's probably part of, you know, the vernacular of your church and about the way people think. How, how do you see it manifesting itself? Like, what's the fruit? What, how have you seen it changing the lives of the people in your congregation? And, and how are you beginning, beginning to see it impacting uh, the community? 
probably the best fruit of it is just to see that people are more uh, if they're if they're in a volunteer situation or if they're just in their everyday life there's a lot more conversation now or, or, or talk of gospel conversations that are happening mm. so people in their everyday lives are sharing the gospel uh, they're seeing I, I think it's helped people within our congregation to see the people in our community uh, for who they are, you know, and, and not just walk past people that you meet every day in the grocery line or, or at the gym or uh, doing your favorite hobby. Uh, it's just encouraged people and, and maybe in some aspects, giving them the, uh, the training and the, the courage to just speak the gospel as they go throughout their daily life. Uh, and it and it also gives us some 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 favor in the community uh, where people are willing to listen to us. You know, they're willing to hear what we have to say uh, because it's not just a one-off. It's not a cold right. gospel presentation. It's you're you're involved in our life. Uh, we we do a thing with this organization called Sleep in Heavenly Peace, uh, which is just crazy. You would ever dream of it if you didn't get involved but in north alabama you know at any given time there's 80 families that are waiting for beds for their children I mean, children mm-hmm. who've never slept in a bed and so there's a local nonprofit that's just decided it's i say it's a local it's a, it's a nationwide organization but a local chapter of sleep in heavenly peace mm-hmm. and it's, it's a cool process they build beds and, and give them to children and uh and so we get the opportunity in fact this month they're our partner of the month. And so we, we did a, a bed build back um, at our community impact celebration. Uh, but this month we'll get to go and deliver some of those beds, right? And go into these homes and deliver these beds and set them up and meet these families. And just uh, to have that opportunity to interact and build a relationship that, that ultimately, hopefully, leads to a gospel presentation, an opportunity to speak Christ. But, but certainly it's an opportunity to be Christ in the community. Uh, and, mm. and minister with his with his resources and be his hands and his feet in the lives of people. And when, we see that in a, a lot of different areas, a lot of different uh, nonprofits. Typically, we'll have eight or ten in uh, in the spring, and then every month we partner with one of those and, and just try to go out in the community and, and, again, build relationships for the sake of the gospel. And, uh, and that's overflowing into everybody's everyday life. I think I think what you're talking about is very cool. You know, I think when you uh, live in a community and you see churches, you know, you know, every few blocks there's there's churches. Some of them are small, and 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 there's churches like yours that are very big and very established. And uh, people drive by and they see them, and they these are kind of like these churches are like monoliths. You know, they you have a perspective as you drive by. You're dismissive. It has a strong presence uh, physically, a church does, but uh, very few people are interacting. And so it almost seems like a castle that's got, you know, walls and a, and right. a moat around it. It seems very distant. And, and, um, and so people, they have pr- uh, presumptions about what happens in there. Those, those people, you know, that's the way people think is it's those people over right. there. I think what you're talking about is really important. If churches aren't proactively building relationships within their community, the danger is that they, they grow more and more isolated. And the open doors that they're praying about, um, 
they never they never um, unfold and and th- those opportunities never come and and slowly over time they become less and less engaged with their neighbors. Yeah, I think that's and I think that's the 21st century been progressively getting worse. In the 21st century, we're we are very closed off uh, people. We don't have relationships. We typically don't know our neighbors. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so the same is true with church, right? We we exist, uh, we, we conduct our services, uh, but, but for really the the majority of the, the community, like you said, see it as some distant, strange thing that they could never feel a part of, that they could never be accepted by, that, that they don't fit there, that we are we are vastly different. And and again, I know that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation, and I know that it changes and transforms our lives, uh, but but it's not us, and, and the power is the gospel, and uh, and we need to have relationships with people uh, that help them to understand that we are uh, we are real people, and and we do love our community. Mm-hmm. And I I think I, I for me personally, I, I, I know not everyone. Uh, probably has the problems I have, but for me personally, you know, I, I feel compelled to, to build those relationships. And you know, like this week, I'm reading through Ezekiel uh, in my daily reading and, you know, Ezekiel 33, where, where God's calling Ezekiel to be that watchman, you know, to, to warn the people. Uh, if we're going to warn them, it, it, it can happen for our pulpits and it should. But, but a lot of the people who need warning are out there in the community. Mm-hmm. And I need to be out there with them, right? I, I, you know, the it's, it's not a field of dreams thing. You know, if we mm-hmm. build it, they will come. Uh, the Great Commission says go, and and and, and certainly, okay, I, I'm for going with a uh, with a confrontational presentation of the gospel. That's that's a wonderful thing, uh, and I'm for that. Uh, but I also think we can go into our communities uh, and serve our communities and minister in the communities and uh, and use that as an opportunity to to earn the right to speak the gospel and to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Hi, my name is John Scott. I go to Northside Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm an LFBI student. LFBI is spectacular. It's an institute that is taught by pastors as opposed to professors, people who are actually in the ministry with their feet on the ground, in the dirt, making disciples, evangelizing, and actually loving people. And it's the best resource out there for any sort of Bible teaching. In my life, I've used many of the classes. One in particular is the evangelism class. After going through the course, I was able to transform by God's grace the whole method and the and the whole process of the Bible study where it is more evangelistic and we're able to actually reach out to people and then actually study the Bible together. It's something so simple, but man, it's it's because of LFBI that that changed. Now now we're able to plug that into an evangelistic ministry that we have out of our church. So I couldn't recommend LFBI more. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. I really like what you were saying earlier too, just about the fact that you uh, are called to set the example for the congregation, you know, and, and I think um, 
people do watch their pastors and, and they consider whether or not their pastor has the fruit in their life that they're um, you know, requiring or expecting from the congregation itself. And so they want to see that a pastor is making an investment down, that they're developing leaders, that they're discipling. And, you know, if they're, if they're going to ask right. the congregation that, uh, then, then they too need to be participating, getting their hands dirty in that work. And I think the same thing is true with evangelism. But like you said, it's, it's a lot harder for the pastor because they spend so much time organizing and, and facilitating ministry that they themselves have a hard time getting into the community. And so now your church can see you engaging with these different things, whether it be in the role of a chaplain or, you know, building relationships with these uh, not-for-profits in your community, whatever it might be, they can see that you're rubbing elbows with lost people. And that, that does have an impact because they know that the person that's leading them in the charge uh, is living what they're talking about. Why is that so important? I mean, we all, we all, all of us pastors need to be thinking about that. I think so. Uh, if you follow just the next chapter in Ezekiel, you know, in 34, he talks to the shepherds and, you know, and, and again, I understand the context, but, but, you know, he, he issues that, whoa, you know, because we've not gone out and, and bound up those that were broken, you know, brought again, those who were driven away and solved those that were lost. Uh, you know, and just being, uh, being that kind of a shepherd that, that is interacting and, and going after people who are out there, uh, again, not just with a confrontational gospel presentation, although that's that's fine mm-hmm. uh, and, and a good thing, uh, but but in, in building relationships, you know, I think Galatians six ten, you know, he says, uh, "As you have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the, of the household of faith." And so there's a priority there, but as mm-hmm. I have opportunity, you know, I, I'm to do good unto all men. Yeah, the priority certainly is the household of faith, but uh, you know, to be out and doing good in the name of Jesus Christ and, and being uh, the salt and the light, right, that, that Jesus said. And you think about the way he said that, you know, uh, salt salt is no good if it's all in one place, right? It's, it's only good if it's scattered. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we come together, we're a special kind of light. We're like a city that's set on a hill, he says in, in Matthew chapter 5. So we gather together on the weekends, and, and, and we are that light in our community. I, I do think that's, obviously, that's a critical piece of what we do. But, but when we're done, then we, for the salt of the earth, we scatter out and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and be that truth in our community. I, I think salt is a picture, a type of, of truth. When Paul's writing to the Colossians, you know, he's talking about how we relate to those that are without uh, and he encourages us that our, our speech would be always with grace, seasoned with salt, uh, and just going and spreading into our communities and, and being that voice of truth in our communities, uh, being the, the voice for God in our communities, even, you know, even in, in committees and government positions and volunteer organizations, anything that we can do. I, it's not a replacement for what we do in the ministry, but I think it can be a wonderful addition to what we do. And, and you can't mm-hmm. do everything, right? As you therefore have opportunity, right? So but if I have the opportunity uh, to step into those places and and be the voice for truth, the voice for the Word of God, 
and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a worthy thing. It's a worthy thing for us to give our time to, and and something that I, I see that we've done less and less of down through the years. Uh, and something yeah. I would love to see reinvigorated within our church. You mentioned uh, the value of, of kind of a relational approach to evangelism. And it's funny speaking uh, critically about any form of evangelism because so few Christians are evangelizing in their daily life in general. So right. if, if someone's confrontational in their approach, man, praise God, someone's preaching the gospel. If someone's Amen. relational in their approach, man, praise God, uh, right. someone is is preaching the gospel. And, and this is absolutely critical. We just have to start opening our mouths. That's the main thing. Yeah. But I do recognize that uh, as you know, I've observed over the years, um, when someone comes to Christ in more of a confrontational setting, uh, that uh, the sanctifi- sanctification process or the discipleship process rarely uh, is, is much more difficult to bring alongside that. Um, but when you're building relationships with people uh, in your community and you're developing rapport with them, at the point of conversion, at the point that they profess Jesus Christ as their Savior, you've already established a working relationship that dovetails beautifully into discipleship and the sanctification process. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that and, and, and how you've observed that in ministry, especially since taking this approach. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, if you... If you you watch witnessing opportunities in the scriptures, uh, I think the way they, they come about most naturally is there's an observation of a miracle, and, and the observation of that miracle uh, creates a conviction of sin, which results in questions asked. And so in a confrontational method, I'm not against it, <laughs> say that again, I'm for it. Uh, and, and a lot of times that's the only opportunity we're going to get. So speak the gospel. Great. Yes. But if yeah. I can do it in the context of relationship, then they've observed my life, maybe in a crisis like the murder of your son. Uh, and so, um, man, they see the way you respond to that. They see the, the grace of, and strength of God in your life. And and so now they have questions. How can you, how's that possible? How did you mm walk through this time that's that's seemingly impossible for anyone to be able to manage but i see you managing it with grace and dignity and strength and it just seems like you have such hope in the in this hopeless situation mm-hmm. and, and so they they come and they have the question and now i can communicate the gospel uh i i do think that from there it's far more natural there's already a, a basis of a relationship and it's far more natural for that relationship just to continue. You know, if you think about a witness, a witness needs two things. They need credibility and a, and a story to tell, right? Mm-hmm. And in the relationships where I get the credibility and, and then I have to open my mouth, a lot of times I think the risk here is we'll stop with, we stop with just the credibility. And, and even sometimes, you know, when a person comes and says, wow, I see this incredible thing in your life, we have, we have the risk of taking the credit for the incredible thing in our life and, and just take it as a compliment to us rather than recognizing, oh, that's Christ in me. Let me. This is my opportunity to share with you the strength, the source of my strength is Christ. But I, as a credible witness, and then I tell the story of Christ and this person makes a decision, 
Well, then, like you said, it's just a natural pathway into a discipleship relationship. We've, we've mm. already have the credibility. We have the relationship. They've, they've received the gospel. And now walking into a discipleship relationship is just very natural. It's uh, and, and even the connection to the church becomes very natural as well. Uh, it's not trying to get them to come into a foreign place where they don't know anyone, but now they're coming alongside you and they know you, they have a relationship with you and um, you, you have that credibility to, to lead them and guide them. And it just, it's a far, like you said, a far more natural process. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's good. You know, we've, we've talked about the strengths of engaging with the community Certainly there are pitfalls, you know, as well. And so maybe you can share with us some of the potential pitfalls of engaging with the lost secular world, you know, on a daily basis. Well, I think for me, the, you know, the thing that concerns me the most is, is getting out of balance. And, and, and I do think sometimes we can think that the, the, the goal is just to save the society you know, that we're, we're called to preserve a culture rather than to win souls out of mm-hmm. that culture, mm-hmm. uh, to, to buy into a social gospel. That certainly is, uh, I, I think that's an incredible danger and something we need to be continuously reminded that we're not just here to, to feed the poor and clothe the, the, the homeless and, and provide shelter and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to be mindful that we are here to communicate the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to win people to Christ and we're to disciple people uh, and, and train them so that they can live a life that glorifies God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's that's a danger uh, that we, uh, we get out of balance. Uh, there certainly is, you know, there's not, um, you're not always well received. Uh, you right. know, I've been, I'm part of some civic organizations in our community and uh, and we are in the South, and so there's there's cultural Christianity, uh, and uh, and so as a pastor, when you come into those civic organizations, sometimes what they you know they want you to speak, uh, and and what they anticipate having is a cultural Christianity, uh, so you're going to share a cultural message, and 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 if you you st- stand and speak the gospel of Jesus Christ very plainly and boldly. Uh, you're not always well received. <laughs> not everyone's happy to hear that message. Yeah, even among Christians, probably. Oh yeah. Well, sometimes the Christians are the ones who are the most critical. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know why? Why would you do that? Why would you put us in a bad light? And 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 I, I certainly, you know, have experienced that. And in, in some ways, you know, you feel like uh, I, I pay I pay dues to organizations that uh, probably will never invite me to stand in front of them and speak again. Uh, and sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you want, I personally in my carnality want to cut that and sever that relationship and, and walk away from that. But I think that that damages the testimony of Christ. I'm not just here to stand in front of the group and speak. I'm stand, I'm here to be, I'm here to flesh out Jesus Christ, right? Right. Yeah. I'm here to be Christ. And, and Christ walked in this world. It was the religious leaders who rejected him. Uh, and he loved sinners and he cared for them. And, uh, and that's who we're to be, uh, just to, to continue. And so uh, regardless of, of how they respond to that message, I think we just remain and we continue to speak that message. And, and like you said, a lot of times it's, uh, 
it's believers who are, you know, there's some, so there's some believers who think you're, you're overstepping uh, when you go into those organizations and you speak the gospel and, and, and you give a clear presentation of Jesus Christ. And then there's other believers who think you're compromising uh, because right. you're part of those organizations. Uh, and yeah. I think at the end of the day, for all of us, it really doesn't matter uh, what what others think. What matters is mm-hmm. just my obedience to Christ and what he's asked me to do and the opportunities that he's given me. Uh, I need to respond to those opportunities that he's given me. I'm not saying that everyone else should do what Joe's doing. Uh, certainly not. Just uh, find, you know, just finding unique ways to be involved. So I, I think those are a couple of the uh, the, uh, the the things that could stumble, cause us to stumble. There's some of the pitfalls that would be problematic in investing in the community. Where are you hoping to see this kind of initiative um, grow? Like, you know, if you're thinking about investing in your community over the next five years, what are some of the things that you'd like to see uh, your church mature in? You know, I think, Brennan, the, the biggest thing for me is just to see the members of Decatur Baptist Church be true, authentic believers in Jesus Christ who, who go out into the world and realize that, that they are Christ in this world, that they are the salt and the light. They go out into that community and scatter and, and, and graciously speak the truth graciously mm-hmm. communicate the message of the gospel with everyone that they come in contact with, that they're constantly seeing themselves as the bearers of truth in our community mm-hmm. uh, and always looking for new opportunities and ways to to get involved, to get connected, again, for the purpose of building the relationships, for the purpose of sharing the gospel. I, I would love for the testimony of Decatur Baptist Church to be that that, that, that is the people who love this community uh, and, and care for the needs of this community. Uh, but man, they, they represent the gospel of Jesus Christ so well in this community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and regardless of the outcomes in, in the sense of numbers and decisions and those kinds of things, uh, just having the, the testimony of being a body of believers who love and care, you know, the great command, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's love our neighbors. Right. Uh, and, and you know, sometimes people like the like the lawyer who asked the question in Luke ten. You know, they want to justify themselves. Well, who's my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And Jesus tells the story right of the Good Samaritan. Uh, we need to be those people. We need to be those people who love our neighbors, who love our communities, who love the people around us enough. And, and just like the Good Samaritan, be sacrificial, be, be willing to give of our own resources to manifest the love of God in our communities. But but not ending there, taking the message of the gospel. So we're we're gonna go we're gonna go that the the whole the whole way and, and speak the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the lives of these people. Yeah, that's great. And and it's a really important thing for all of us to be reminded of as leaders uh, in our churches is that is that we need to be finding ways. It might look different for Decatur than it does for another church in the fellowship. Absolutely. Um, but, but we have to be um, inspiring uh, our, our members, those that we disciple, to find ways to, to, to preach and to teach the gospel, to stretch themselves. You know, one of the four goals of discipleship, we talk about this quite a bit, 
is to um, minister, to be a minister. Right. And I think a lot of the disciple makers in our churches interpret that as being involved in church. Right. Like you need to find a ministry to get plugged into. That might be the language that we would hear. Right. But we forget that ministry is in reach and it's outreach. Um, there's an investment in the edification of the local church, but sure. ministry is also the going and the, the preaching and, and finding avenues to, to be salt. And I think that that is, uh, is really important. And I think um, you're modeling that and, and the testimony you're sharing today is, is really critical for all, for all of us. Yeah, we, we try to tell people you need a ministry in church and a mission to the world. Yeah. So, so yeah, serve, serve in the church, but let's let's have a mission to reach people in our community, uh, not only with our words but with our actions. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, Joe, thank you for hanging out with us. I I, I want before we go, uh, I, I would, you know, it, I'd be remiss to have missed this opportunity to to let you share about the introduction to homiletics course that you teach in the Bible Institute. I want people to hear a little bit about what that course is about and, and why it's so important for LFBI to have a class that teaches people uh, how to preach, teach, uh, speak truth. Um, but that, that class is coming up this fall. And so I want to give you an opportunity to just talk about what you're doing and what students might expect from a class like that. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's incredibly important that so, so homiletics is, is just communicating God's words, taking God's truth and, and formulating it in such a way that, that people can receive it and understand it. Uh, and so um, it, it really is just expository preaching or teaching is what we're talking about. And, and so when you talk about um, that that subject of communi- how to communicate the word of God, I can't imagine you know, Maybe more important than that is my own study and understanding of the Word of God, because that's a prerequisite, right? But mm-hmm. if I can understand and receive the Word of God, then the next thing that's going to be important is to communicate the Word of God, because God, I, I, I've always said that you know God didn't intend for us to be a reservoir; He intends for us to be a channel. Uh, he wants to give through us His truth. He doesn't just want to give to us His truth, mm-hmm. and it and it really is. The same subject, in a sense, that we're talking about with the way that we conduct ministry and shepherding a community. Uh, you know, when Paul talked about his own call uh, in Galatians chapter one, he 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 spoke. He said that that God had called him to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen. Uh-huh. You know, and so uh, he he talks about God's call on our lives is to reveal Jesus Christ, that we would preach Him preach Christ uh, to the heathen. So uh, we talk about this class, this course, it's just a systematic approach to presenting the Word of God in the way to develop uh, a lesson or a message uh, that, that we could take God's truth and communicate it. I, I love, I wrote it down, Mark Trotter's definition of expository preaching. Of course, everybody in the fellowship loves Mark Trotter, and, yeah. uh, and for good reason. Uh, he, he said it's the impartation of God's truth presented in the power of God's spirit for the purpose of edifying God's people uh, so they are confirmed to God, conformed to God's image and equipped to fulfill God's mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a, what a powerful definition, right? And, and a great explanation of, of the purpose of this class uh, so that we can learn to impart God's truth, 
doing it in the power of God's Holy Spirit, because obviously we, we are incapable of our own, but that would result in people being edified and built up and, and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ so they can go out and do this mission that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a great, I think it's a great class. I, I'm probably, I'm not a great teacher, but it is a great class, great material. We'll use Stephen Alford's book, uh, Expository Preaching. He too is, uh, is a great expositor of God's word. And, and uh, I, I really think that anyone who wants to be effective in the ministry, be that in vocational ministry or, or just as a discipler or, or a small group leader, I say, Jess, I shouldn't use that word, uh, but as a discipler or as a small group leader, anyone who wants to communicate the word of God, uh, this class is is going to be profitable to you to to learn to do that in a way that uh, can be effective. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, Joe, we're grateful for your investment, and um, we're we're thankful that you're teaching this class. Uh, other students who've taken it with you before uh, have said really wonderful things, and and so we're excited about having it uh, as an offering again this fall. But Joe, thanks for hanging out with me and, and talking about your church and the ministry and the investment in your community. It's something that we can all learn from. Well, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate all that you do for, like I said, not only MTT, but for the fellowship and for Living Faith Bible Institute. Just, you're a great brother and a great friend, and you minister to, to me and to the guys on our staff, and we appreciate you so much. Well, I love you guys, and you do the same for me, so um, it's, we're even. Um, but I love you, and, and, and we'll, we'll talk again soon, okay? Love you, brother. Thank you. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, those of you who are listening in today, uh, hanging out, talking about ministry, talking about missions and, and how we invest in our community. Uh, Living Faith Bible Institute uh, exists in order to equip people to do ministry. And just like Joe was saying, whether you're a pastor or a missionary uh, or you are a Sunday school leader, uh, a Bible study leader, at whatever level uh, you make an investment in the work of God, we want to help equip you and, and train you for that work. Um, all of us uh, need to be doing the work of the ministry with excellence. We need to make full proof of our ministry, uh, which means that we need to, to strive uh, to make it uh, sure and, 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 and certain and um, worthwhile and fruitful. And so in order to do that, we need to learn God's word and, and, and who else should we learn it from but those who've gone before us and those who have made similar investments. And so that's what LFBI is. Uh, it's a school uh, where the professors are pastors and missionaries and uh, those that are, are practitioners of the work. And, and so come check out lfbi.org, learn our program of study, see what courses we're offering. We want you to jump in at what, whatever level you can or wherever you're at in your development. We want you to join us. Uh, we would really love to have you uh, in this coming semester. But with all that said, we're grateful for your time here on the show. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.